Friends, welcome back. We are excited that you have joined us again for another episode. Nicole and I thought it would be fun to come on and have a little conversation with each other to unpack the last four guests that we had on our podcast and to just dive into some of the takeaways we felt were the main takeaways that each of the guests shared with us and for the two of us to have a conversation um, about hearing their stories. Yeah, it's going to be different. It'll be a little recap for everybody listening. And a lot of feedback is some of what we've, our personal thoughts on it, but also a little mix of some other people's personal takeaways. So it's going to be a neat little conversation, a little different. And we're looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. Something that's kind of fun to start it off, which isn't part of the recapping, but we're just going to start in a little different way too. We had a night to shine last night um, for Anna Kate and her friends. And Anna Kate is Emily's daughter, if people don't remember. And it was a wonderful little celebration. Uh, the Tim Tebow Foundation puts on a yearly celebration prom type event. And because of COVID, it looks very different. So we were able to do our own little small gathering and it was a lot more intimate. And yeah, so we had six, Anna Kate had five friends there and she went to school with all of them. And what a great little reunion for some of them. Um, and they're all graduated, right, Emily? Except for one. She's just still one. in yes, school. Except for one. So just a fun night. Um, yeah. Any extra thoughts on it, Emily, and we can chat about it. it, it I just love just seeing the pure joy, I think, on the guest face, but also the parents. Mm-hmm. Because it's something, I don't know if it's something that they never thought, A, that their daughter or their son would ever participate in or just it's a time for them to see their child light up in a way that they don't see often or they never actually ever see. So for me, while I love just seeing the overall joy and happiness and the smiles and the energy in the room, I think it's listening to the parents And watching their expressions, that really makes my heart just so, so happy. Yes. And a really big part of the success of the night were the teenagers that came to help volunteer. So there were 10 10 teenage girls, and a lot of them just have such an easy, easy experience and a natural flow of just interacting with these teenagers, these young adults, actually, these young adults that have various disabilities. And it was beautiful to just watch how loving and accepting that they all were and how they jumped in to help. And I think my favorite part was the music and the karaoke, because music does something to all of us. And music really does something to individuals with disabilities. Um, It is beautiful to see a reaction because it's stimulating so many different parts of the brain that don't always get stimulated. And one of the guests in particular, she smiled the whole time dancing with her mom and dad the entire time smiled. And 
some other times throughout the night, she wasn't as smiley, but as soon as that music was on, there was a smile on her face. So it just really shows that, um, you know, she was taking it in in a very different way and she felt that was her gifting to experience the music. I agree. I agree. Like I will not forget when it first started just on the sofas with the microphone and then it evolved to getting up and having a (laughs) dance party to then when the video was done and there was a full on karaoke dance party over in the, on the far (laughs) ends of the room, like with everybody yeah, you know, I was a little nervous that the neighbors were going to start to wonder <laughs> what was going on over here. But luckily, it was still 830. Uh, it was great. But yeah, it was it was really it was really a great time. And I just love the fact that I'm getting all these pictures in so um, we can do a little recap with the parents and. I probably will put some on our belonging story just yeah. it so it was so fun to just see what a truly special night it was and really what you can do with you don't need to make some big elaborate event you can make it small and intimate and still have that huge impact absolutely and it would be really nice you just kind of put a thought in my head that maybe we could sit down with some of the parents and just have a talk about it almost like we were going to Remember prom, like real prom, their prom last year. And it was a beautiful respite night for all the parents. And we all sat around the circle outside of your house and you guys all just talked and were able to just relax. And I think we had, that was in an old recording that we never published. <laughs> I know. That, I do that still was... have it though. I do still have it. You have, like, we should pull it up. Think, like, why can't we do quarterly events like this we should just to have fun and then just to have a place my hardest part is hosting Mm -hmm. and making sure that everything goes smoothly that I feel that I don't get that time to connect with the parents and to talk with them I actually sent them a little email this morning said I'm so sorry I didn't get a chance to connect with you I feel like I need an after party just to connect with them yeah but it's like at prom like there was somebody taking them and they were off doing which was so foreign for all of us that we had that time to be able to connect so maybe having a more quarterly fun events for them where there's enough people helping with you know all of the the young adults that we do have that time that we can connect and be there too so well, I think that ties into a really um, a piece that we both have that we both know is really important for parents that have children with disabilities is respite and um, how the church can get, can get involved with respite and how important that is to offer that to community. So parents that are in your position can sit around for two hours and not worry and not have... I shouldn't say worry because I'm sure there's some sort of worry in your minds as parents. Um, But you're able to sit there and enjoy two hours to just mingle with other parents that are in your shoes. And you guys have a common factor while you know your child is safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that was Night to Shine recap. (laughs) That was Night to Shine recap. Yes. And it was fresh in our minds since it was just last night. So, well, let's get into (laughs) unpacking 
our guests that we had on. So let's start with our first guest, Elizabeth. I loved her energy, her humor, and her boldness. Boldness. I just loved how everything that she said, like, it was really hard for me to pick a few things because we can't sit here and just, you know, talk about (laughs) each entire episode. Uh, especially hers because it was a two-part episode two-part two-part but so the first thing that really stuck out to me was her recap of her trip to China with Mm -hmm. Johnny and friends and how she was talking about all the obstacles that she was facing and I loved when she said in that moment she had two choices she said I can hate this experience or I can look at it as an adventure But what was really interesting to me is that she had that realization about the trip before she shared the next part. So that was, I guess, probably before she really got to the big challenge of getting to the Great Wall of China and everything that took. I mean, that I was sweating just thinking about her and her friends that were helping her up the stairs Mm -hmm. Um to get there but that was what she said before she got to the next part that really changed her life is when she was talking about the PT from Germany who had asked her for a picture which kind of set Elizabeth thinking really you want a picture of me like she didn't like that at first but then when the PT went on to say she wanted it for her blog to show with patience grace and determination you can do anything you put your mind to and then elizabeth said in that moment that is how she has lived ever since Mm -hmm. and that was seven years ago oh seven years ago this june wow just that perspective that complete perspective change and for elizabeth to kind of grow you know she hasn't known anything different and that's she said that a few times that she doesn't know any other way that's been her life since day one but to have a different perspective in late 20s mid 20s to go through that and then you know what this is my life and this is how I'm going to continue living it boldly it's not that she didn't live in any other way before but that um a little bit of boldness from the PT even. I think I had mentioned how, I forget what my comment to the P, about the PT um, coming up to her and asking, but that was a little bit of vulnerable position for the PT to also ask. And Elizabeth just continued being bold and that helped adjust her own perspective of her life. So just a beautiful little circle. Absolutely. And that was just in the very beginning. That was like our first question with her. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be a great one. <laughs> That's what we knew. Oh, this is going to be a good. This, this yeah, is Little did we know it was going to be a two part, two part. We needed, we were totally okay with that. Right. So the second thing that really stuck out to me, and I think it was the piece that literally brought the two of us speechless was uh-huh. we like to ask, a lot of our guests that question about belonging and what does belonging mean to you? And I think that um, when Elizabeth said, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I 
don't ever, I don't ever felt that I belong in this world. Mm-hmm. It just hit me. It hit yeah. me so incredibly hard. Um, hence that awkward silence that mm-hmm. we had. Yeah. And I think why it hit me like that, it truly felt like a gut punch was because I often think or wonder about this and how does Anna Kate feel? Mm. And quite frankly, it's how I feel sometimes when I'm someplace and I'm just being Anna Kate's mom. And it was really, really, it was a, a very real feeling when she was younger and I can give you an example of this, of when she was in middle school and you go to back to school night and it's just the parents, they meet the teachers, you rotate through all the classrooms. And I had walked in with a friend whose child was typically developing. So like we sit in the auditorium and then you get your kid's schedule and Every class besides a resource class, I was going into the special education classroom, which was just me, right? Meeting the teacher. And then when I would go to the resource classroom, you know, you're in there with other parents. And I was sitting in there talking to this mom because you sit where your child sits. And as she's like, oh, who's your child? And I said, oh, Anna Kate. And as soon as I said that, she totally stopped the conversation with me. Mm. And it was like she didn't have anything else to say. And then she turned and started talking to somebody else. And middle school was the first time that I really felt like we, or especially me as a mom, like did not belong. It's definitely where a big divide comes. Mm. And I know people always say middle school just sucks <laughs> no matter who you are, but for me, that's where a huge divide came. And I was like, wow, like, really? Like, you can't, you can't talk to me? Like, what, what is it that we, yes, my child's different than yours, but we can't, you still can't talk. Like, you just have to, like, turn around and talk to somebody else. So I totally felt in that moment, what Elizabeth was saying because of my own personal experience. Yeah. I just Mm -hmm. always think about that mom in that class on that back to school night. And I wonder hindsight, you know, if she left feeling a certain way about it, you know, we don't know. We can't assume she was one way or the other leaving the, I mean, obviously she showed her action of how she felt in the moment by turning from you. But I just would, I kind of wonder what her, what her thoughts were leaving for the night. And if she could have asked, that could have been a learning opportunity for her and say, Oh, I've heard about Anna Kate in class and how she's included in things. Do you mind telling me about her? I don't know anything other than what my child says. And I want to know from you as her mom, you know, that could have been a learning conversation. Absolutely. It definitely could have been. But unfortunately, I don't think many people they don't think like that. No, they don't. And that's, that's the broken. That's where community and society and that's another part of the broken world that we're in. And 
I'm sorry you had to sit in that feeling, you know, you being able to sit there and then, I mean, you might not remember, but then did anyone else ask you whose parent you were and how they responded or how your response was, or maybe that shut you off for the rest of the night and you just wanted to get out of there as quick as you could? Well, no, nobody else said anything. I do remember that. And then I think that was the only special resource class or mm-hmm. resource class that she was in in that, you know, that marking period. So it was like really the only interaction, but it was definitely foreshadowing of what was to come, shall we say. Yeah. That's what you guys pulled her from. Yes. Yeah. For various reasons. But with that, it also reminds, it makes me, I love this other piece that Elizabeth also said was people in this world that wait for, she was saying how there's two different types of people in the world. There's people in this world that wait for change or there are people that have to be part of the change. Oh, I still remember that now. Yes. And she lives her life that she is going to be part of the change. Like Mm -hmm. she's not going to wait around for somebody else to make the change. And then she'll, she'll live with the change. She wants to be part of the change. Um, which I love, which also then takes me into my, I think if I like, these are my top three takeaways with her is when she was discussing how disability is a silent minority. No Mm -hmm. one ever talks about it. And what's going to help change the world is when people that don't have a disability are then advocating and speaking up for those who do. Yes. And one of my um, friends at work, shout out, hey, Donna Muse. She listens every week and every single Thursday, she has a uh, little thing, a takeaway that she shares with me. And this I week, love that. Thanks, yeah, Donna. it's so great. So when I get to that school on Thursday, I think, oh, I wonder what Donna's going to say today. <laughs> um, but she, this was her biggest piece. And she, this was emotional. This was an emotional part for Donna. And she, when she was telling me this takeaway, it was a very emotional conversation that we had. And she said, it's so true. And she didn't, she hadn't thought about that. And she sees it now more than ever and how clear that is because of how Elizabeth expressed that. So Elizabeth, as you're listening, um, you really made a huge impact with that statement. Um, And you really got to some emotional hearts within that statement. So that was a huge, huge takeaway, even for me to hear, because we know, I mean, she's so true. It's accurate. We I think it also ties into the the uncomfortableness of things that we don't know and we just ignore it. So then that's where it becomes a silent piece. And it is it is a population that's a minority that doesn't get the right justice that they should be getting. Um, Absolutely. So I just, agree. Yeah, I did. I also loved how she just squashed a lot of stigmas. I kind of think of her as the SS, the stigma squasher. <laughs> she had a, she had good, lots of good little nuggets that we like to say in all the whole conversation of just squashing some stigma. So I think that was a huge takeaway for listeners as well as myself just to 
be reminded of that this is a stigma that we have created. And we, and like you just said, her quote, that reminds me of Gandhi's quote, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm-hmm. That is all, if we're going to squash that stigma, we have to start with where we believe what we've been taught um, and how to change that. But it has to be an internal and then it can come out externally in our actions and our choices and the things we say. So it, Elizabeth was a mic drop. She, she was. Elizabeth was great. And Elizabeth, if you ever want to move back to Virginia, <laughs> um, like that would be amazing because Anna Kate would I would hang out because I think you would just push Anna Kate to do some pretty cool things. Yeah. She would get her. She would adventure. I don't even have the formation of the words of the sentence I want, but that would just be that extra motivation like let's go Anna Kate absolutely we got nothing to hold back let's do it let's do it let's go and do it. find a way to adapt everything for her too she'd get it all, all right. right so that was Elizabeth so Elizabeth. then we had on Taylor, Taylor which for our listeners so we taped Taylor first yeah so taylor works for johnny and friends so we had zero idea that when we had elizabeth be our first guest that right out the gate she was going to be talking about johnny and friends and nicole and i could not believe it we're like wow like kind of what a cool segue into our second (laughs) guest but we taped taylor first right and we taped elizabeth second so that was really neat to see it was really cool Taylor had an awesome, um, obviously, Johnny and Friends is quite dear, or what is the word, what's the phrase, near and dear to both Emily, both of our hearts, and to have Taylor just wrap up and share the ministry was such a touching kind of uh, conversation, and how she, when she brought in her way of getting into uh, the disability community by her, you know, seeing her mom just make it so natural for her and it was second nature and how she just wanted to continue that kind of like a generational positive thing and I think that was beautiful that her mom was somebody that instilled that in her life to just continue caring for this population and this community and how she now does it with her job and she says it's the best job in the world and I don't doubt her (laughs) I think She does have a super fun job. And I think the number one thing that stood out to me with Taylor's conversation was how important it is that she and Johnny and Friends is connecting local communities to churches and the church's responsibility to equip um, volunteers and leaders and train them and be that respite, be that um, safe place to, for families to come and feel belong, um, belonging, I should say, and just really that's her favorite part is being in community um, with the families in the area and especially staying in touch with families that go to the family retreat that she leads. Um, And she even said, you know, talking to you and I, Emily, you know, this is, this is what does it for her is that continued uh, connection and how important that is for kingdom work. So I think she just, she nailed all that really beautifully on the head of how it's impacting, how her work is impacting the kingdom and how she gets to be a part of it in the community at the same time. Yes. And I love how she said that it's actually commanded in the Bible 
in Luke 14, when Mm -hmm. Jesus is talking about that parable and he says, when you are throwing a banquet, don't invite the rich and the noble, but invite the poor, the lame and the blind. And only there's my emphasis, my emphasis, (laughs) and (laughs) only then will his house be full. Um, You know, it's, it's commanded but, you know, for the church that you need to take care of these people and you need to welcome them and bring them to the banquet table. And obviously you can see Tim Tebow has just done a, I, I don't even really, the word phenomenal doesn't even do it justice what Tim Tebow's doing in his foundation. Right. Um, but, you know, he started partnering with churches and right. Mm-hmm. Didn't he? Yep, that's where right, okay. is. Uh, yeah, it's all part. It's all sponsored by local churches um, internationally. It's a global ministry that he does, and it's and, all and, church. And that's where he met his wife. Yeah, I mean that's just fascinating because her own sister um, lived with a disability. I think believe she has since passed away. But mm-hmm. I mean, just what a beautiful story. But you know, and then going into that, how Taylor was saying, it just starts with hello. Instead of focusing on the disability or being this specialized thing, focus on intentionally getting to know one daughter or son of God at a time. Yep, absolutely. One at a time. And that you have to, now in our culture, um, at least in the United States and some other countries, um, people living with disabilities aren't necessarily cast out as much anymore physically like um, visually but in many countries they are still cast out visually they're they're not in community they are in the as as Luke 14 says um, verse 21 they are in they are out in the alleyways and in the streets they are gone they are not seen um so you have to compel you're compelling them to come in to that banquet um same into your life compel them to get involved compel them to get into the church so it's you have to it's a mandate like you said it's a mandate and it's something if you call yourself a christian and you believe in jesus christ and the whole resurrection of jesus christ that is this is one of the things he left us with and it sits heavy. Um, of course, we can't do everything. Um, your heart might not be called to doing every single piece of what big commissions are, but this is a big one for a lot of people um, that we have to just be aware of. And if you're not going to participate in it 100% fully your own way physically, how can you support somebody else participating in it? So how can you support ministries that do this day in and day out? Um, How can you support people going on trips to do this, any mission trips? How can you find a way to support that commission at the same time if you're not physically able to or you physically just don't have a pull? There's got to be something, you know, and I think that speaks to all different things in the Bible of how we should act as Christians. Um, So it's just a we got to do our best and where our weaknesses are, then that's where someone else's strengths are. So how can we support it? And when you're talking about in other countries, as much as I would love to get 
Demi and Tim Tebow on the podcast one day <laughs> to talk to them. Until that day happens, I strongly encourage everybody to kind of um, go somewhere, Google Tim Tebow, his foundation, but to find out how it all started for him. And I believe it's when he was 16 years old and he was on a mission trip. Yes. And what he saw, and I don't want to give away what he saw, but that is what changed his life and changed his perspective and what has then stopped the foundation and what he does. Um, so, and in going with going to other countries, that leads me into something else that I love that Taylor said when she was talking about her wheels for the world trip. And when she met the man and his wife who had ALS, mm-hmm. um, his whole story. I mean, I just from his his upbringing with his grandmother leading him to faith, but then he took, you know, some some detours in life and he ended up in jail, but then how he brought his faith in jail and then he became a pastor all the way to today with ALS and he's still just giving people hope. But within that story, when she shared um, these words, she said what her professor in college said she remembered when she was on this trip and what her professor said was this. She said, if we didn't hear anything else, she said, anything else that we learned during our time in her program to hear this one thing. And she said, disability is the only thing that doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter your skin color, your social class, your privileges, good works, none of that. At any moment, it could be you or me or any of us with a disability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that was another thing um, that I had gotten a great conversation feedback in of just being reminded of that and how that can change any instant, any instant. And I learned this is, you know, this is kind of going... No, just kidding. That's going to go off tangent too much. <laughs> but it's it it was about a friend that just recently told me she had a disability that was a um, autoimmune um, infection. She had an infection and she was disabled for so many months, and then she regained a lot of her strength and was able to walk back, um, walk, and she lost her vision and a lot of things. And it just she was only a kindergartner at the time and now she's in her thirties. But in my head, I thought, Oh my goodness, I wonder if she even remembers part of that. Cause that's a traumatic part of her life. So as Taylor says that, that it can happen at any point. It is so true. Is there anything else that stuck out to you with Taylor before <laughs> we go on to Lauren? No, I loved everything you highlighted. And I think that that was definitely my favorite part too of, um, I mean, besides the fact that we want to go visit her in Charlotte and go to the Right, where we're going. And we're going to do the bar class, and we're going to go to that amazing pasta restaurant she talked about. Yes. Italian. (laughs) Italian. Italian. Yes. Pasta. Emily. Oh, yeah. You said pasta. I didn't know what you said. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All right. right. Then we had Lauren, um, educator and parent to a child with autism. Um, little P. She talked about little, little P. P. That's right, little <laughs> P. So, I think for me, and it'll be interesting to see what you felt were your big takeaways. But for me, the things that were the takeaways for me were me 
relating to her role of being a parent. Mm -hmm. So when you ask the question to her for your friends and um, that are educators or therapists that sit in IEP meetings and you ask her the question of what would you want them to know? And she said, parents are afraid. They're, they really are afraid. Yeah. And that was so, so true. Like you are trusting that these people that are sitting around the table from you are truly doing what they feel is quote unquote, the best for your child. And now that we are not in it anymore, I'm going to say, because I can, because I'm not sitting at that table anymore, that there was one person who I ever felt was truly doing what she knew was the best thing or the right thing for Anna Kate. Everybody else was doing what they had to do for the school system. Yep. And that is the scariest place to be. We saw so much divide, Mm -hmm. so much brokenness, so much Mm -hmm. um, lack of trust. I mean, that's really where the wheels were starting to fall off the bus was in those IEP meetings when you can start to see that truly there was this, this big divide and it's not doing what is best. It's doing what you have to do mm-hmm. for the school system. Yeah. And I have, and I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, I know there's I, a lot yeah. of stuff that you is cannot it, say. <laughs> I cannot say, but there is, there is a lot of moral pull um, that is a large component of why some seasons, um, I know certain seasons are coming to an end for me personally. Uh, I'm going to get emotional, so I'm not going to. Um, but I 100% second that and second what Lauren and you have to go through. Okay, I did not mean to make you cry. <laughs> I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> So moving on, moving on. Um, so then I'll go into my second piece. <laughs> well, Nicole dries her eyes. I'm so sorry that we went there, Nicole. Real honest and raw. Yeah, real honest and raw here was when she was talking about, I believe it was around the question we asked her, what would she want? What would she want to tell a, a friend or a stranger or another parent with a child? with um, a disability and she directed this question to typically developing friends and or strangers is keep inviting the child with the disability or special needs that's in your child's class to the birthday parties Mm -hmm. she said we may not come and there's a good chance we might not come Mm -hmm. but the action and the thought that you included speaks volumes to the parent and I again, from our walk and our experience cannot um, echo that enough. I mean, all through elementary school, Anna Kate was very blessed, thanks to Amy, um, to be included in so many. And it just felt so great. And then again, as you start to get the back end of elementary to middle school, it's like it starts to disappear again. Yeah. Um, really I loved how she said that she was so honest 
after she said the polite like piece of yeah please and keep inviting us you know I could see how she was just saying that in her I don't even know her but I just felt like I could see her body language in that but then I also felt this immediate shift of her body language of her being so honest and saying we probably won't come (laughs) but please keep inviting us I mean I it is she was honest in that because it might be for whatever reason they can't a a friend or a family can't get someone to participate in that it doesn't change the fact of going back to this whole part that taylor said of just and that we've said and i think even elizabeth has said of just being kind and start with hello and then the invitation flows Uh, because you can't let the invitation flow if you don't start with a hello and it's part of that huge piece which is belonging Mm -hmm. and everybody wants to feel like they belong and I just I love I tell my own children this you know no matter if we're I'm trying to help them in a situation or they keep telling apologizing for something but keep repeating the same action over and over again I'm like listen actions speak so much louder than words Mm -hmm. so you telling me x but your actions are not doing the same thing that you're telling me it's you're not really telling me anything Mm -hmm. so you need your your action again that simple invitation you know and they may come and they just want to feel loved and seen and like they have a place to belong but again, they may not for whatever reason, they may wake up and it might be a bad morning. They may wake up and it's just really hard or, you know, the mom or dad or just doesn't feel comfortable. But the fact that you invited it says a whole other thing says so much, and you know, just. It's the posture of the heart in that moment, I believe that it speaks the compassion it, it shows the compassion of the mom or dad or even the friend that invited the person, knowing that there's a chance they might not come. And it might not be perfect if they come. And, but that's okay. Figure it out as it goes. But just invite, you know, keep that invitation. So I did. I loved that too with her. I also loved how she said um, belonging to her was so much more about um, – that it's just a judgment-free zone, that you can just be anywhere um, with any group. It's unconditional love. She commented on unconditional love a little bit in there, and that is all judgment-free um, in that. I loved that. And I remember commenting on the unconditional love and how that was a common theme that I was reading about at the time and how it's just a beautiful uh, picture of what true belonging is of being in that judgment-free zone and you're coming as you are and it's messy and it's beautiful all in one, but Hey, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Yes. I couldn't have said it any better. So I'm just going to let you just <laughs> say well, that because it would, it's, you know, I would just be reiterating what you're saying. What you said. What I said. You just put a nice little bow on that. I love. Oh, good, it. little baby bow. A little nice little bow. Little baby bow for little P. <laughs> yeah, for little P. Uh, was there anything else for Lauren? No, I think you touched on some of the other pieces that I had written out too. I because I had also written it's not just a meeting, but I, I kind of assumed in my head that that was going to be where your takeaway was yes. too. 
Yes, it is. Oh, and I did. I did love her transition talk um, from their recent move to Florida. And then that was all during COVID and how she's finding belonging in community and not just little P's community, but her and her husband. And it's a lot. She's that was a huge transition in a lot of different life phases. And then you throw COVID on top of it. Holy Toledo. Mm -hmm. We got a lot. She was um, very honest in a lot of that transition conversation. So Lauren, thanks for that vulnerability of sharing just a little bit of a personal touch to your family's transition to Florida too. And one more piece that you just, that I just thought of when you were saying that it's so it kind of brings something that Elizabeth said and something that Lauren said together. So Elizabeth had said, you know, when somebody, a stranger in an elevator talks to her, says something, it always comes back to her disability. Mm -hmm. And she said, we don't always want to talk about our disability. Right. I'm a person. And how Lauren said, when I was asking her about friends and meeting, and she's like, I just want my own friends. Like, it doesn't have to be another parent Mm -hmm. that has a child with a disability Mm -hmm. or special needs. I just want to have my own friends that doesn't always have to revolve around that topic and so it was interesting how they both from different perspectives one living with a disability one caring for someone with one that's we don't want to be talking about that and I you know will say 100% I'm the exact same same way like we are somebody outside of that um what's the word I'm looking for outside of that job, outside of that role, mm-hmm. outside of that characteristic about us, whatever. We are somebody else. So we talk about it a lot. So there's many times we don't want to talk about it. And I also, and before we move on to Allison, I just want to say this because this goes into a great little thing you just said. It get it, in parents and um, parents finding community outside of the disability community. That's just then setting up the platform and the opportunity to teach your other friends that don't know a thing about disability or may, may not know. I shouldn't say may not know. They may not be exposed. They may not have understanding. They may not have anybody in their life that they know with a disability. That's an opportunity for them to, you don't even have to talk about it, but that's an opportunity for them to see how you handle it without even communicating about it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. They're seeing how you react to life and how you are still you as Emily Rabke as an individual um, without living and affected by disability as your life. They're seeing just how you can model um, and advocate without having to even discuss it. I hope that makes sense. And the siblings and the yeah, whole same family, for which mm-hmm. then also comes back to what Elizabeth said about, you know, the change in the world is when people that don't have a disability are advocating yep. and speaking up for those who do. But they have to be around it and understand it in order for that change to happen. Yep. All right. Take us into Allison. All right. Allison. Our last of our four, the four guests that we just had on. She wrapped us up beautifully um, with something I absolutely, absolutely loved. And this, again, something Donna, my coworker, had said. She didn't even say hi to me. I walk in the room to get my student, and she said, I am not feeling. And she had a little brain fart, and I knew exactly what she was going to say. And we ended up thinking about it. But she said, I don't have compassion. Or she may have said, I have compassion fatigue. I forget now how Donna worded it. 
um, that she was or she wasn't feeling. I forgot. But she said the compassion fatigue, which I loved Allison saying. I told uh, in the episode, like, I'm adopting that because I absolutely love that and how it's so accurate. Um, Allison has such a, as do any teachers, I want to say this very politely and um, appropriate. Anybody in their job, of course, we all have fatigue. Um, But Allison is in this position because her heart is in this position teaching children with special um, or in special education, teaching children with disabilities. You don't just sign up for that job to sign up for it. You have a piece that is pulling you to it. Um, And I think in your deepest part of your heart of how do I, how do I help my friends succeed in their environment and their classroom and be included and also get the needs that, need to be met, whether they're not included, how do I advocate for them? So that weighs really heavy. And Allison said that in a beautiful way that it's a compassion fatigue and how she handles it in her personal life and also professional life. So I just, I can so appreciate that. And I think it's a beautiful description. And I truly think we can all think of that in different ways, how it affects us personally in our daily life. Um, but I really see that with the education system right now and even, I mean, goodness, the medical world right now with COVID still think and COVID. And so it really, I mean, you can keep going and example after example of it, but she just said it so beautifully and I resonate so much with it. So that was my favorite. And she was talking about the compassion fatigue when she worked with Head Start before she Mm -hmm. came into the sped world, right? Right. Yeah, and how it kind of flowed over and came together. Um, I also really loved her takeaway on belonging, uh, that it's kind of twofold. Well, first, her her personal takeaway of belonging is just being fully known, um, the good and the bad. So similar with, you know, the good and the ugly or the messy, the ugly, whatever. Um, But just being fully known, similar to how Lauren had said, just come as you are, judgment-free zone. But I loved the component that she put into with her students where they have to also belong in the gen ed typical school environment, but also in community and how she belongs um, in the school environment and with other staff and how she's advocating for them just with other teachers and also advocating for the students' needs in the classroom in different areas of the school. So I really liked how she kind of broke it down into two different parts for her students' belonging as well. Yes, I love when she was talking about that piece and you, the two of you were having a little discussion about it and you're bringing up the behavior piece. So mm-hmm. if a child's in a classroom <laughs> and you're and he or she is acting in a particular behavior and it may be a bad behavior or it may not be a bad behavior, but to the typically developing peer, it may look like a different behavior and having to explain to them that they're still learning. They're still trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. and help them to see like it's, it's not a bad behavior. It's just, they are still trying to figure out how to place themselves in your world and do things 
Oh, that's beautiful. The way that you do it. And quite frankly, they may never be doing it exactly the way that you're doing it. But to not look at something in a negative way, but more looking at it as a unique way or a unique thing about them and to help them the best that you can. Mm. And then I also love with that how Allison said, everyone is capable of participating in environments and activities if we as adults are taking the time to set them up for success. Yes. Really strong quote. Really strong quote. And that is her job. Every minute of her job has to be that. Adapting that classroom, adapting the curriculum, adapting um, behaviors, adapting other students to how they're going to respond. She knows the triggers, she learns the triggers, and then the triggers change. And how does she adapt to make a better, successful place for them? And it is that is every second of her job. And I can firsthand say she does it well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I was trying to see. There was this quote that I just love that just sums up what she was saying so perfectly. And I can't find it really fast. So we'll have Mm -hmm. to save that for our Thursday thoughts or to talk about it another time. But I was but I can't find it. Yeah, if you find it, we'll put it on Thursday thoughts. Yeah, put it on Thursday thoughts. Well, I recap. Yeah, I enjoyed recapping that with you and just um, seeing what your favorite takeaways were and my favorite takeaways. I loved hearing uh, Donna's responses. Donna's responses are honestly my favorite. And she's just going to get so tickled that we've talked about her. (laughs) And if it happens on Thursday. Every Thursday. So it's kind of like Thursday thoughts with you when you walk into that school with Donna. It is. It truly is. And I mean what I say. I, I'm i like, ooh, I wonder what Donna, you know, not in a, not in a prideful way. Like, I want to know what Donna thinks. But I don't, I didn't even recognize what was happening until maybe, I mean, we've only had five episodes. But maybe like by the third episode, I realized oh, Donna's been commenting on every single one. And it's only been two, three episodes. And then it just became this routine. And now I'm so aware of it. But if any day, Donna, you don't say anything, I will not hold it against you. <laughs> but yeah, she Donna. will. I think we should bring Donna on. You just have to meet Donna. <laughs> now you just um, you just kind of put Donna like pressure on her that she has to have or Thursday thoughts for you every Thursday. Thursday but honestly, what is super, spe- which I think could be a cool thing, maybe for season two or the next time we recap is we do bring a listener on that we know. So Bailey also shout out Bailey. Ba- we know Bailey listens every single episode. Um, and I would, maybe it would be cool to, um, but wouldn't it be cool to just get someone else's perspective, like a listener's perspective of what their takeaways were? and not just ours and just continue including them in the conversation. Yeah. That could be a neat like wrap up at like an end, like we're doing now, but have it be with them. Yeah. So there's my extra process thought. All right. One question, Emily, you have one minute to answer it. So don't, don't, don't go wild on it. What's your number one thing you're loving right now? Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. (laughs) I didn't forget. Oh my gosh. What is one thing that I'm loving right now? (gasps) Time's ticking. (laughs) 
my goodness. Like, you totally put me on the spot. And I okay, I your- know mine. I- okay, you go first while I think about mine. I am loving Levi Lesko's new book, The Last Supper on the Moon. And I could say a 50-minute reason why. Maybe a 60-minute reason why. Okay. It but we don't have time so- We don't. No, we're not. It's so great. So if you love Levi Lesko... Um, even if you don't know who Levi Lesko is, he's a pastor in Fresh Life Church. It's kind of a large church, mega church, I guess you would say. Um, wonderful author, wonderful book. It's a little history lesson of um, the Apollo mission where Buzz and Neil were on the moon and NASA background. And also he ties it into Jesus. And it's incredibly stellar. And I'm going to say stellar because that's a spacey word. But I cannot get enough of it. And I'm almost halfway. It's a big book. And every morning I read a chapter. So that's it. That's my loving. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Well, I you have to tell me about it. Um, okay. So I thought about what it was. So I recently just bought a milk frother. A so milk in the morning, frother. a milk frother, like this little thing you get on Amazon, eight bucks, right? And so in mm-hmm. the morning when I have my coffee, because I recently just had a switch from caffeinated to decaf for various reasons. I still want my coffee, though, in the morning. I put my protein powder in it as my creamer. And so you really need to, like, froth it up and stir it up. So yeah. I use this milk frother. Well, then I find I use it anytime I put anything in my water. Like I'm just frothing everything these days. Like, I love this little milk frother. I'm going to start calling you Emily the frother. Emily the frother. Yeah, I just love my little milk frother. This cute little stand. However, I don't use the stand, but you know, the stand's cute. You want to have it out by your coffee pot. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Frothing. Okay. Frothing. All right. Well, friends, it was so uh, wonderful to unpack. I'm loving this word unpack. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Unpack these conversations that we had and the stories that our guests shared with us i do want to let you all know that nicole and i are going to take a break next week so there will not be an episode next week but we have lots of content from other guests that we have already interviewed that we will be rolling out um the next four weeks so yeah and i just want to thank all of our listeners that we know are consistent um I also truly just want to thank God. I feel like we're doing an Emmy speech, but truly like just having this put on Emily's heart and rolling with it and that I get to be a part of it with her. So to all of our listeners that are still supporting us, um, my dad, he's so cute. He calls it my radio show. (laughs) He listens to it every week. He'll tell me and he calls me. He's like, have you recharged? And I said, yes, dad, I'm recharging. (laughs) So it is, it's really cool to just have our family and friends supporting us along the way. And we're so thankful for you. Yeah. Just on the next one. Yes. This brings me great, great joy too. I am having, having so much fun with it at a time and at this season in my life, um, when there's a lot of unknowns, I, I definitely, this is a highlight of, of Mm -hmm. my week. So it's becoming a stability. It is. Well, thanks, friends, and we will see you in two weeks. All right.